Well, this last couple of weeks, Pastor Pam and I, we've been uh, doing our best to try to help you learn how to pray differently. We've been learning how to not pray like we usually pray. And most of our prayers, I think, are, are not what I would call risky prayers, which is the prayer that we're learning how to pray. But most of our prayers, I would say, are rather benign. And let me, let me tell you what I mean by that. They are words that we express, truthful words, heartfelt words, but they are words that, that aren't words that usually stretch us. Um, if we were to analyze or evaluate our prayer life, my guess would be that we would find ourselves saying these kinds of prayers. God bless me today, or God allow me to travel safely where I'm going today, or God um, help me in something that I'm doing. There's nothing wrong with those prayers, but we've been trying to get us to take the next step to pray risky prayers, heartfelt prayers, prayers where we are calling upon the Almighty himself to instill and empower in us a difference and a change that through our prayer life, through those risky prayers, we see a transformation, not only of who we are, the circumstances in which we find ourselves, but the world that is around us. If I were to ask you, do you want to pray with the boldness of a true disciple of Jesus Christ, I believe in my heart you would say, absolutely. So I hope that in the next couple of weeks that you're following with us and that you're taking this to heart as we learn these risky prayers. Now next week, we're gonna end this series. It's been a couple of weeks into this series, but next week we end with the risky prayer, use me. And that's the kind of prayer where we have the boldness to say to the Almighty, whatever it is that you need me to do, I'm available. And we're basically giving God the authority to say that we are gonna follow him wherever it is that he leads us. He has the ultimate authority over us, but the question is, will we be obedient in following that? And use me is that kind of prayer that we're gonna talk about next week. Well, King David prayed a very risky prayer. Pastor Pam read that for us this morning. It's in Psalm 139. A lot is going on in David's life at the moment that he prays this prayer. And he finds himself with multiple enemies that are against him. And David is searching in his heart for something new. He is calling upon God to change him, to transform him. And David's prayer this morning is a risky prayer. I want us to pray this prayer together as we see it here on our screen. Would you pray with me? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, if you think about those words, there's some significant things happening in this prayer that David is leading us toward this morning. He leads off with some very interesting words. Search me, God. Search my heart. Now think about that for a second. Search my heart. Why, why would David ask God to search his heart? We truly believe that God is all-knowing, that God already is aware of what's in our hearts. So David is calling upon God to search his hearts. Why is he doing that? I think if we go and look at what the prophet Jeremiah has to say, it's a great reminder for you and me today why we call upon God to search our hearts. Here's what Jeremiah says. The heart is deceitful and above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? 
Jeremiah says that our hearts are deceitful. In fact, you and I deceive a lot of people. None of us is ever pure of heart all the time. We find ourselves sometimes tricking others into believing that we have a pure heart when really our heart is not pure at all. But the person that we deceive the most, according to what Jeremiah says to us, is we, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves the most when it comes to that. We aren't truthful with ourselves. Here's some examples with that. We say to others, I'm not materialistic. I just need more things. Um, I'm not prideful. I just know I'm better than you. Um, I don't gossip. I just need information so that I can pray for you. And this is the way in which we find ourselves being deceitful with our hearts. We lie and we deceive ourselves. So it's a risky prayer to go before God and to say the words that David says, search my heart, show me what's really inside of me. Because when you say to God, search my heart, God, show me what's inside of me, you better be ready for God to reveal what's really in your heart. You better be prepared for God to show you some things that you aren't proud of, that you aren't happy with, that you can't believe that that truly is you. And there are those moments when God searches our hearts and reveals those things to us that we find out that we are not at all the person that God has created us to be. But David says, we must begin by saying, search my heart. It's a risky prayer. And we have to ask God to reveal to us the things in our hearts that we might see and receive an invitation to change. The second thing that David says is, he says, reveal my fears. Reveal my fears. He says it by this way. He says, test my anxious ways and let me know my anxious thoughts. Uh, test me and know my anxious thoughts. So anxious thoughts, fears. Let me ask you this morning, what is it that you are afraid of? What is it that makes you anxious? What are those things that you are truly, truly afraid of? I'm not talking about spiders and snakes and rats, but the things that truly make you afraid. Are you afraid of finishing life, wondering if your life really made a difference? Are you afraid of, of living alone? Are you anxious about uh, paying your monthly bills? Are you afraid of the future, the unknown? What might be coming next that you don't understand? Maybe you're afraid about experiencing loss. And when you think about experiencing loss, that brings about fears in your life. Why is it important to pray those words? Reveal my fears. I would argue that it's important for us to pray those words because what we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least. Let me say that again. What we fear the most reveals where we trust God the least in our life. And especially those things that come to us. But what we fear the most is what we trust God the least with. I'm not sure about my marriage. I don't think it's going to last. I'm, I'm concerned about that. Maybe you need to trust your marriage in God's hands. I'm afraid I won't have enough money to pay my bills. Maybe, maybe trust a little bit more about God's provision in your life. We see these things. What we fear the most is where we trust God the least. But what we see in David's words are critical for us. God, search me and show me where my anxious thoughts are. So listen, I, I never ask you to do something that I am not willing to do. So here I am standing before you today saying, you need to learn how to pray this risky prayer out of Psalm 139. So I challenged myself this week. I challenged myself to pray through these very words. So I began to pray, God, search my heart and reveal my anxious thoughts. 
And what God revealed to me are some things that I'm not real proud of. What God revealed to me were some things that, that I fear. And, and one of the fears that I have in life is the fear of failure. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Um, I'm a perfectionist. If you really know me, you know that I give everything that I have to the cause in which I've been created. As a perfectionist, I'm all in on everything. But with that comes that, that thought that, that maybe I'm not good enough or maybe all that I'm putting in isn't going to get us where we need to be. So I started to drill down a little bit more about that fear of failure. And what I found out was it's maybe less about personal fear of failure, but more about me feeling like I've let you down that in my abilities as a pastor, that somehow I have let you down because somewhere along the line, that, that perfectionism in me brings me to that point to strive for excellence. And maybe you feel that I don't always hit that particular mark. It doesn't settle well with me. It doesn't settle well with me at all if I believe in some way I've let you down. I've prayed about this even deeper and God exposed to me that, that I also feel at times that I'm not good enough and I feel like I, I'm just not spiritual enough or, or I don't have all the answers. When you come and you bring those life powerful questions to my desk and we pray and we agonize together, there are times that I don't know how to answer the questions that you bring to me. And those are those moments that I feel inadequate that I don't have all the answers and I don't have all of those things. And those raise some fears in my life. Now I recognize that in what I do, that I cannot allow my life to be governed by fear. Because uh, what I learned is that, that I have to live by faith, and that faith is greater than fear. And that, there are some things, though, that I believe that, that, that God wants our church to do. And there are things that I recognize that, that in what we do as a church, that there are going to be some things that as we try to do them, as we succeed at some things, and as we aren't as successful at some things, that some are going to judge me. This is my fear, that some will judge me and say that our pastor isn't adequate enough, and, and you might not be happy with me. Some of you might become angry. Some of you might become upset. Even question some of the validity of the decisions that we have to make but it boils down that we must follow God's lead. We must be faithful in all of those things that we do. We must be innovative. We must be willing to try. We must be willing to risk. We must be willing to do whatever it takes, things that even have never been thought before. We must be found faithful and to be faithful as we move ahead. As I prayed the prayer, search me, it became real to me that my sole focus needs to be to please God. And the truth is, if I'm going to live into that, if I'm going to please God first, that also means that, that, that some of the ways in which I'm going to act, some of the things that I'm going to do, some of you might say that's the wrong thing. Some of you might say it might even be a failure. But let me say it to you this way. We all must first please God and God alone. And sometimes what God asks us to do is very radical. It doesn't look like it always has. God is constantly pouring new wine and new wineskins. God is not something that stays stagnant. God is always creating. Let me give you an example of that. As you've noticed through the months and in season and out of season, some of you have asked me and you've said, our attendance seems to go up and down and we see that. We're healthy one week and the next week, some of you might say, wow, where did everybody go? What's going on? And some have commented, is there something wrong with our church? 
And because I don't wanna let you down, I might be tempted to try some short-term fixes to fill the seats. And those short-term fixes are not at all of what our long-term vision needs to be. Are you following me? So we find ourselves in this quandary of things that we need to do. People don't come every Sunday. And we're seeing this trend nationally, especially in the westernized world. If you don't believe me, read up on it. The average number of times a person attends the Christian church today is 1.8 times a month. If you don't believe me, evaluate your own attendance. People are busy. They've got places to go. They've got things to do. They've got different priorities. The life of the church is no longer the priority in families' lives the way that it used to be. We no longer go to church every Sunday because it's the thing to do. But life's messiness has changed. And what we find out with the dynamics of all of that is that things are different than they were 20 years ago. And the church must innovate. The church must reach out. The church must bring a gospel message that does not change to a community and world that is constantly changing every day. And we need to be bold and to pray that risky prayer. But when attendance goes up and down, we need not be fearful. We need to understand it's the culture today in which we are called to be in ministry. Here's another one. Over the 50-year history of our church, we've predominantly been surrounded by an overly Caucasian population that has been filled with retirees. And that's why over the past 50 years, St. Paul has predominantly been an Anglo congregation who today, whose age is average 71 years old. The demographics around our church in a two and five mile radius have changed. The demographics around our church do not match what's in our church. Our church is predominantly Anglo, if not all Anglo. Our church is predominantly an average age of 71. Outside of our church, in our community and in our neighborhoods, uh, very close to our church, we're now African-American, we're Latino, we are Asian-American. And the average age in the households around our church today is not 71, which is inside the church, it's 43. The average number of children in our homes is about two. So somehow we have got to start seeing a shift in who we are. We have got to start reaching out beyond and change the dynamics of what represents so that our church represents the community that God has brought around us. And that's why we make staffing decisions the way that we do. That's why Dr. Williams is here with us, not only because of his, his call to ministry and his faith story, he's got a great faith story, also because of his talents, but because Dr. Williams represents the community that we're trying to reach. And we want to use his gifts and his talents to help us to become the church that God has created us to be. Now, some people might be nervous about that. You might say, well, wait a minute, that brings a little bit of fear. And I can't let your fear distract my ability to be faithful to God. And some might make choices through the years that we don't wanna be a church of diversity. But you know what? God is calling us to do that. And the question will be, are we going to answer God's call or are we going to stay and be what we've always been? Your leaders in the church agonize over finances. Terry Garvin was just up here a few minutes ago and shared with you that, that currently we're about $100,000, $142,000 behind in our giving year to date. We're 11% behind what we said we would be at this time of year. 
Uh, some have pledged less, some have given less, because through the years we've had to make some hard decisions that maybe you didn't like, some hard decisions that maybe didn't settle well with you. I get that, I understand. But we also have to know that those decisions that have been made through the years are decisions to help position us for the future. In the next five to seven years, the builder generation likely will be gone. They'll graduate to heaven. And if we are not a church that reaches out into our community less than the average of who's attending here by age today, then there is no future for St. Paul. So we have some great things that are before us, but our church finances need to reflect the joyfulness of our desire to be the church that God has called to be. When giving goes up and down and I see, and I see that $142,000 deficit, I have a choice. Uh, I can either be fearful about that or I can be bold and I can say, God, you're gonna lead us through that. But let me go back to what I told you a little bit about myself earlier. When I see that number, 142,000, what immediately happens to me is I feel like I have failed you because the giving is not where it should be. But then I step back and I pray about it and God reveals to me and says, Bob, you and Patty are doing exactly what I've asked you to do. You're giving, you're staying up with it, you're loving the church, you're serving the church. You are trying to help build the church. Be faithful and trust me that others will follow and others will be a part of that as well. And that's why I've learned that I must love God so much that God is the one that I must please and that those fears of failures and those fears of letting you down cannot be what rules in my life. And that's why I have to force myself, and I'm making an honest confession here. I have to force myself to pray the prayers, perfect love casts down all fear, or God has not given you a spirit of timidity, Bob, but one of love and of a sound mind. And as we pray those prayers together, individually, corporately, we begin to see the strength that comes from that. So when you pray the risky prayer, search me and help me to see my fears, you'll realize how much you need to trust God. I realize how much I need to trust God. And when we get down to the root problem, we must be willing to take the steps and implement the courage that is needed to move forward in our life. And when we pray that prayer, search me, reveal my anxious thoughts. What are they, God? We begin to see that we can move forward. And we've got to stop saying, I've got this, I can do this on my own, but trust in God. David's prayer said a third thing. David said, uncover my sins. Now this is what David prayed. And I've gotta tell you, I don't know about you, but I look at that, it takes a lot of courage to pray that prayer. Reveal my sins. What are my sins in my life? Uncover them. David says, see Lord, if there's anything offensive in me. Show me anything in my life that's inconsistent with your truth. Open my eyes to see anything about me that's offensive to you, Lord. And it's so easy, though, to see everybody else's faults, isn't it? In fact, we, we want to accuse others, and we want to excuse ourselves. And that's kind of the way that it is. Why? Because as Jeremiah said, the greatest lies that we tell are the lies that we tell ourselves. But when you got, give God uh, that opening, when you realize that God wants that opening and you say, Lord, I'm just gonna step back and I'm gonna stop resisting you. When you give God that opening and you point out and you give him the permission to point out any sin dwelling in your heart, there's a couple of questions that come with that. And these are questions that we have to ask when it comes to revealing the sin in our lives. And here's one here. You need to ask the question, what are others telling me? Surround yourself with believers. Surround yourself with people who are grounded in their faith. 
What is it they're telling you about your life? Listen to them. They love you. They care about you. And they, if, if they're all telling you the same thing, you need to open your ears and you need to listen and you need to take action with that. Here's a second question. What have I been rationalizing for some time? What is it that you've been saying it's not a big deal or everybody does that? Don't worry about that. I'm good. What is it that you've been rationalizing? Here's a third one. Where am I most defensive? What is it that you get upset at when people bring it to your attention? What is it that puts you on your guard? What is it that makes you defensive? What is it that makes you angry that someone would say that, that you wanna say the words, don't judge me? You just don't wanna understand that. What are those things that are in your life? Two weeks ago, I shared with you about an example where I let my ego get in the way with a beautiful couple that we got to meet when we planted a church. Uh, when Christine finally got pregnant, she had had uh, six miscarriages. When she had finally gotten pregnant uh, that seventh time, I, my ego got in the way, and I confessed this to you a couple weeks ago, and I said with boldness, God's gonna give you this child. I said unequivocally, no shaking of anything. I said, it's gonna happen, you can bet on it, it's all there, it's real, trust it, take it to the bank. God will do exactly as I'm saying God will do. My ego got in the way. I wasn't humble at all. And as I explained to you two weeks ago, she lost that seventh pregnancy. And I realized at that moment that that was a sin that I needed to confess in my life. And as, I, as David said, point out those things in my life, that sin in my life, that was where I was at that time. And I realized that I needed to pray that prayer that David said, that I needed God to expose the sin that was in my life, the things that were there. And when you pray that prayer, God's going to point out some things that you've been trying to deny. Stop denying them. Let God reveal for you the work that needs to be done in your life. Submit yourself to what God is wanting to do in you. You see, St. Paul isn't a, isn't a church for perfect people. And if you're perfect, and if you feel like you're perfect and mighty, then, then let me just ask you to go polish your halo somewhere else because we're not perfect people. We're broken people, and we are all dependent upon the grace of God every moment. And it's by God's grace that we survive in everything that there is about us. David wrote, search me, O God, know, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me into the everlasting way. And when you pray that prayer, you're gonna see some significant things. Now, I wanna do something this morning to where what we've learned David's prayer to be, I want to apply the teaching that I've given you and I want to reflect back on my own life with what I've shared with you so that you can see a couple of things here. So when you use my life as I've shared with you this morning of the examples of what David said, here's, here's what we've learned this morning. I've revealed to you that throughout my life that I have been one who has always strived for excellence. I am a perfectionist which has created in me a fear of failure, the fear of letting other people down because that for whatever reason, I didn't do what you needed done in the end, that it wasn't the best that I could possibly be. I have felt that there have been moments in my life that I have felt inadequate. And I fear at times that I am failing God's purpose. I've confessed that to you this morning. I also realize that my life's actions haven't always been pure that my ego at times has gotten the best of me and I've crossed the line in projecting what God said when that in fact isn't what God said 
the question or the situation with Kevin and Christine, where I promised them that God wanted nothing more than for that child to be born. My ego got in the way. I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy of God's grace, but yet God chooses to offer it to me. For most of my life, I've lived for the approval of people versus the approval of God. And living into the words of Psalm 139, that's how my life has become what it is in real words. So how's that for honesty to the church this morning? What is it that it means? Well, what it means is that I have to daily point my life towards Jesus. It means that I must daily point my life into the means of his grace. It means that daily my identity is not my own, but that my identity must seek the Lord's approval and not the approval of others. And that's a risky prayer. And that risky prayer calls your attention to focus on Christ. And whatever it is that the Lord reveals to you, you need to do. If you're addicted, you need to have the power to overcome it. If you are full of pride, then you need God's power to humble yourself and to depend upon him and not yourself. If you have a lust problem, you need his truth to reveal, to transform your mind and your heart. If you're materialistic, you need to fall so in love with God to know that this world is not your home, that heaven is, and trust him in his grace. Now, lastly, David said this in his psalm. He said, there's always grace. And that's why David prayed this lastly, lead me, Lord. Lead me in the way of everlasting as it points to your need for Christ. And it's that risky prayer that will always bring you back to that point. So as we end this search me, Lord, I want us to pray as our prayer, Psalm 139. Will you join me as we pray this prayer this morning? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting.